With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude. I am your new host. Once again for this week, uh, Skylar Timmons joined by our resident Elden Ring player, Evan Lang. I'm on some Sweeney. I don't know what that means, okay. but... <laughs> okay. We're going to see We're gonna see who in the listeners gets that joke. Nice. And Mr. Kingdom Heart person himself, <laughs> Mac Wilcox. I am the Kingdom Heart person. I have I, I just put up four keyblades on my wall and I have a fifth coming today. I don't like to think of it as a problem, I like to think of it as an opportunity. So real quick, of the Rockies players, who do you think would be the most likely to play Kingdom Hearts? Oh dude, it's it's Connor Joe all the way. He gets it, man. I can just tell from his eyes. Like he understands what you know, like Connor Joe knows that friendship is power. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's, that's why he's finding such success to open the season because his friends are his power, man. I'm telling you, Connor, if you hear this, please hit me up about Kingdom Hearts. That would make my like year. I don't think Connor Joe seems like that much of a nerd. You don't have to be a nerd, man. You just got to appreciate like heart and soul, man. Don't let the darkness overtake you, Evan. Yeah, but Mac, you're a nerd. Big time. But that's not like a necessary step to take, you know what I'm saying? I'm a nerd, and I don't much care for Kingdom Hearts. Well, you'll, you'll grow into it when you get when you're I older. I haven't older, grown yeah. into it in the last almost twenty years, so I'm willing to bet no. Skyler, what are you jamming <laughs> on lately? What games are you playing? Uh, it's got to make a video game reference for you. Uh, Mario Golf on Mario Golf 64 because it came out on the Nintendo Switch recently. Nice, and that game is janky. <laughs> like every course, it's twenty mile per hour wind blowing to the right. Awful, <laughs> just kicking it straight into tornadoes. Pretty much, love that for so that's you. The... Was that was that the first one that was done by Camelot? Yeah, on the on the sixty or on the yeah on the sixty four. Nice. I love Camelot because they made two of my favorite games of all time, which are Golden Sun and Golden Sun: The Lost Age. Ah, Isaac for Smash. <laughs> I was hoping, but... Alas, not, not to be. You've got to deal with Keyblade Boy. Anyways, 
Anyways. Have enough of our video Anyways. game podcast. We're going to move on and talk about our Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man now, or the Batman streaming <laughs> on HBO Max. Nice plug. Uh, but speaking of Batman, the Rockies. Oh, beautiful. We got plenty of topics to talk about today, all about the Rockies. Call him Paul Blart because he's on a Segway. And <laughs> we're already off the rails. But yeah, we are. <laughs> here to start off, the Rockies are starting a three-game series in Detroit at the time of our recording. Uh, we've got plenty of news to talk about from the week of Kyle Freeland's extension. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Daniel Bard and speculate a little bit about what the Rockies do with their roster when May 1st rolls around and they have to cut it down by two guys. So plenty to talk about. But mm. start off thinking with our icebreakers here. The Rockies playing the Tigers. They're going to be playing Miguel Cabrera, who is on the brink at the time of our recording here on Friday of getting his 3,000th hit, likely against the Rockies. So maybe by the time you hear this on Monday, he'll have eclipsed that of 3,000 hits. Stellar career. I just wanted to ask, what's your guys' like favorite things about Miguel Cabrera, things that he's accomplished in his illustrious career? So Miggy is awesome. He's got to be one of the best right-handed hitters if not at least of his generation then of all time he's an incredibly rare company in uh that he's already got his 500 career home runs and he's about to hit 3,000 uh career hits a really interesting uh, stat is that i believe he would have to as of today time of recording go something like oh for 340 to have his batting average drop below 300 for his career. Wow. Guy can hit. It's pretty good. Guy can hit. Uh, My favorite individual moment would probably be, there's a game that he played in. It was between the Orioles and when he was on the Mariners. um, and Or excuse me, the Marlins, actually. And this was in June of 2006. And there's this incredible moment in the 10th inning when they are pitching around him to put him on base. And this is back in the days, obviously, when you had to do the actual four pitches. You couldn't just hold up four fingers. And they go to pitch out to him and put him on base, and he swings his bat out at the pitch out and knocks it into center field to give the Marlins the lead. It's so funny. It's amazing. It's just like one of those like surreal moments of Miguel Cabrera just like etching himself into history in the weirdest ways. I That made me a fan forever. I've always loved this guy. I'm so happy to see him getting this, you know, opportunity to be a part of history. Um, you know, few guys have done it. He'll be, he'll be just the 33rd to do it. I think it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I think for me personally, the biggest thing that sticks out is just him being a triple crown winner. You know, it's such mm. a rare feat, and he's able to accomplish it. You know, and just at a torrid pace, he was – the absolute just best hitter in all of baseball all around. And so that triple crown just always will stick out to me for his career. Like, yeah, he's got World Series, all these other accolades, but triple crown, oh, such a hard thing to do, and he did it, among all the other things. He was the last one to win it, too. Yeah, And there's, like, that stat where he's, like, the first player to have, like, 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and be a triple crown winner. Unbelievable. First ballot yeah, Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Yeah, there is there is no argument for him not being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, so like there was someone I forget where it was who was talking to me. It's like, Oh, I don't think his three thousand hits uh should count because it's just one of those longevity stats for his Hall of Fame record. And I'm like, even if he didn't make three thousand, he's still a first ballot Hall of Famer that his prime was so good for so long. And that he was one of the best hitters of our time. Absolutely. That he'd still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, 3,000 hits is not the be-all, end-all. It's just a nice, you know, cap on his incredible career. Mm-hmm. Because, Mac, like you said, only 32 people before him have 3,000 hits in the in entire history for of Major League years. Baseball. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, no question, Miggy's in the Hall of Fame. First ballot when his time comes. Uh, pretty exciting. And... Fun little trivia. We won't spend too much time on this. He'll likely be the fourth guy to ever get his 3,000th hit against the Rockies, tying the Twins slash Senators for the record of most times that's happened to them. Rick- what a weird stat yeah. that is. Ricky huh? Henderson, 2001. Craig Biggio in 2007. 
and Ichiro Suzuki in 2016. So roughly every six years, we're due for a 3,000th hit against the Rockets. <laughs> Ichiro's was weird because it was with when he was with the Marlins, and it was a triple. I was going to say, it was a At triple, Coors yeah. Field, so. But do you know who the pitcher was that gave it up? Oh, I'm going to talk about it on my rock wow. Nice. Okay, well then I won't spoil it. Find out in Skyler's Rock Pile on Sunday. Beautiful. Which came out the day before you were listening to this. <laughs> so if you haven't heard it, go back yes. and read it. <laughs> Anyways, let's keep this train rolling. Perfect. Quick roundup here of news. Transactions. Lucas Gilbreth, Robert Stevenson are back with our Rockies after their COVID injured list stint. So they're back in action. They both appeared. Uh, Lucas Gilbreth's a little rough. Uh, he came into a really tough situation. Robert Stevenson had a good outing. Uh, those guys are staples in the bullpen, so it's good to have them back. As a result, Colton Welker, who was, just took a day trip to Denver from Albuquerque, was up, and he gets sent back along with Jordan Sheffield, who had not pitched in a game at all with the Rockies, even though he's been there since opening day. And our friend Garrett Hampson is currently on the 10-day injured list with a hand contusion. Uh, he should be back sometime very soon. So a little bit of moment. Mo- I guess, action with our, our roster and everything. But some of those guys will play into our conversation later on. But you guys, real quick, good to have those two relievers back. Yay, nay. What do you got on the seven? Uh, Gilbreth, I'm not terribly worried. that The first appearance of his for the season was tough, but he was thrown into a really difficult situation mm-hmm. that there was not really a – a great chance of him getting out of. It was his very first appearance of the season. And I think he's going to do better after that. Remember that his first appearance in 2021 was not that great either. Um, but Bob Stevenson's uh, first appearance was really solid. It's nice to have him back. He was hitting all the spots, has his velocity still the same. Um, this is, although we've had um, since the last time we all met, we have had our first big bullpen implosions. Mm-hmm. The bullpen is still going along really strong. Yeah, and I think the other thing to consider, too, is that, like, the big bullpen explosion was essentially over, like, one inning, really. You know what I mean? Like, it was this, that seventh inning against the Phillies where five runs scored. That was pretty brutal. That was on Wednesday of uh, April 20th. Um, and so, like, obviously that was tough. You don't want to see that. But it's also, as you just said, it's the first big kind of rough um, bullpen implosion of the season. That was mostly Jolie's Chassin that came in and really struggled to open up that inning. And then, as you mentioned, Lucas Gilbert thrown into a bases-loaded one-out situation. Almost the most you know brutal situation you can bring a reliever into. And so I'm with you. I'm really not that worried about it just yet. I think that there is a lot of opportunity to improve upon that, that situation, of course. But as you mentioned, Robert Stevenson, Bob Steve, he looked great. Lucas Gilbreth, again, as you mentioned, like rough start last season, ended up being one of the most consistent relievers for the Rockies down the line. I'm not too worried about this at this at this. Yeah, juncture. it's nice to have them both back. And Definitely. the fun thing is, we now have two left-handed relievers in the bullpen. When's the last time that happened, huh? Last season when like Ben Bowden was around for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> so, for a little bit. <laughs> so it's good to have those two back. Have two lefties, so now we don't just have Ty Block. Being our lone guy, good to have some bolstered bullpen guys. Definitely. Uh, but they've been doing better. Everybody has been doing better than expected down there. Yeah, they have a little bit of a rough outing, but hopefully it's not the norm and those things will happen. But mm-hmm. we'll see. But speaking of left-handed pitchers, Kyle Freeland signed a five-year, $64.5 million extension with the Colorado Rockies. Uh, this news happened earlier in the week. Kind of seemed out of nowhere because if you guys recall, the last time we talked in our episode, this news came out the day after the episode came out. But of course, we had talked about the there had been really no action, no movement. Uh, Nick Groke of the Athletic reported there had been really no talks, movement on an extension, and then just kind of out of nowhere, something materialized really quickly, and Kyle Freeland will be sticking around for at least maybe the next five years. Uh, Evan, I know you're really, really excited about this. What was your first reaction and take here on hearing the news that Kyle Freeland signed the extension? 
this is exactly what needed to happen, um, especially with going into the season. We had not come to an agreement with him to avoid arbitration, which was uh, sort of a concern point because we were a decent amount of money apart where the, the Rockies submitted for like $6.425 million and Kyle submitted for $7.8 million. And uh, the arbitration hearing was set for May uh, 24th. And I had said, it's like, that's not a big deal as long as we can get something worked out before then. And then we did. And I, I really, really like the deal that we've signed to him. I think it makes perfect sense. I've seen a, a couple people complain that it's a little rich. But in terms of Freeland's potential and overall money that the Rockies have to work with, it's fairly team-friendly while also still giving Kyle his bag. So it's five years, $64.5 million. Uh, his first two years are, are on the cheap. The Rockies did the same thing with both Herman Marquez and Antonio Sensatela. So in 2022, this year, Freeland is getting paid $7 million. Next year, 2023, it'll bump up to 10.5, and then it increases a little bit more uh, every year following that. So in 2024, it's uh, 15 million, 25, 16, 26, 16. And then for 2027, he has a $17 million player option that he can either exercise or decline if he reaches 170 innings pitched in 2026. And that's all super duper reasonable. He's also got a very similar opt-out worked in that Ryan McMahon has. So Ryan McMahon has that opt-out for after 2024, where if he finishes top five in MVP voting, uh, 22 and 23, he can then opt out after that season. They did basically the same thing with Kyle's contract, where if in 22 or 23, he finishes top five in Cy Young award voting, he can then opt out after the 2024 season, which I know opt-outs can leave sort of a bad taste in Rockies fans' mouth, especially after the Nolan Arenado drama, but these opt-outs make a lot of sense from a a player-friendliness perspective where, yeah, if Kyle Freeland finishes in top five Cy Young in 22 and 23, maybe he deserves to get a little bit more money, and I'm willing to bet the Rockies would be willing to spend that money to keep him around. It would really just be an option to sort of renegotiate his contract. Yeah, and I wanted to get Mac in on this. No, Mac, with this extension, how much do you think it plays into that he's a hometown kid? He did have some really stellar seasons. His first two seasons are really stellar. He's kind of had some up and downs, a little rough, uh, pretty consistent these last couple years. But how much of that homegrown connection talent do you think played into this extension? Oh, 100%. I mean, there's no way that that was not chiefly on uh, the minds of both Freeland and the organization when they were talking about this extension. Kyle Freeland actually just recently posted a, uh, a thank you note uh, just a little bit before we started recording today. I'm not going to read the whole thing, obviously, but at one point he actually ends uh, the he ends the statement by saying, my city told me they needed me, so I'm grinding for that. It's tattooed on my arm. It's not just lyrics, it's a promise from me to you. Not a lot of players can say things like that, right? We've seen a lot of these thank you notes and these sort of appreciative posts that say things like, you know, really happy to be here, want this place to be successful, I believe in the organization and the direction that they're going in. That's all well and good. But Kyle Freeland specifically, I mean, we know about the the mountain tattoo on his arm, for instance, and I'm not just trying to put all of the stock in the world into just tattoos, but I'm just saying that he obviously has a very deep and personal connection to Denver's culture and Denver's fans and Rockies baseball. And I really believe that he believes that this place can be successful in this statement. He talks about bleeding purple. He talks about, you know, wanting to continue his career in Colorado. Yeah, man, this is, this is the guy that is literally living the dream of every kid in little league right now. He grew up watching this team and now he is, you know, part of their rotation. And if, Again, we, we recall that he started arguably the most important Rockies game since the 2007 season in that one game uh, wild card against the Cubs where he was lights out. So I'm ecstatic to have him back. It sounds like he's ecstatic to be back. I'm sure the organization is over the moon to have him locked up for the next few seasons. And to your point, yeah, 100% do I believe that his hometown roots and ties to this place was a chief part of this extension coming true yeah and, and i like that you mentioned oh he's living out every you know colorado kid's dream because 
no, this is the same instance of like any one of us. You know, I always envision, envision myself, every kid that's ever picked up a baseball in Colorado, you know, at some point or another has dreamed of pitching for the Rockies, playing for the Rockies. Totally. You know, and Kyle Freeland's living out that dream. And I wrote a oh, self-promotion here. But <laughs> but one of my sentiments about this was that it feels like when Kyle Freeland's out there and he's shoving on the mound, his intensity, his you know, competitiveness, when he's pitching, he's pitching for all the kids in Colorado you know, who love baseball, have played baseball, didn't get to that level, you know, but at some point in their lives have played baseball with bigger dreams. He's carrying those dreams forward, and we're living vicariously through him. And that extension is, you know, his way of saying, like, I believe in Colorado. I believe in the Rockies. You know, I love this team. I love the city. And I love the fans, and I want to stick around and do something special here. And that, that's great. He hasn't been the ace that we saw. We've seen him be the ace. We've seen him times where he hasn't been the ace, and he's really struggled. But we've stuck with him. And I think him repaying that, us repaying him, it's just a nice, I guess, union to speak of. It, it feels good to have people want to be here, especially a pitcher and Bill Schmidt, big dollar Bill Schmidt, continues to get things done at the moment. He is off to a running start in his uh, general managership, isn't he? Definitely. And something I want to touch on that, um, Skyler, both you and Mac uh, brought up, is people wanting to be here. And that's something that a lot of us here at Purple Row, especially our own Renee Deckert, have been really pointing out is that really the running theme of this year is people talking about how much they want to be here and how committed they are. Um, CJ Crone said something of that sort. Kyle Freeland, Alan Trejo, a lot of guys on this team, Chris Bryant, his whole thing was that he wanted to be here. And... Like Kyle Freeland, Kyle Freeland, especially like committing to Colorado, committing to wanting to be here. And um, Renee posted a quote of his that I'm going to read really quick. It's not super duper long. It's like I was sitting at my locker and I saw a lot of my teammates in there and I'm like, you know what? These are guys that I love doing battle with that I want to continue to go to battle with. I love hanging out. I love coming to the ballpark and spending time with them. And that goes, you know, top to bottom with the players, with the training staff, strength coaches, coaches, and front office. This is, I think, a very different Rockies team than we've seen in the last couple of years. And I'm not bringing this up to, like, rag on, you know, Nolan Arenado or Trevor Story, but I think their absence from the clubhouse has allowed a very different sort of attitude to settle into the Rockies clubhouse now that they are are gone. Because personality-wise, it's very, very different. And I I will never say anything to sort of like, oh, Nolan Arenado was a, a clubhouse cancer or anything like that. I think it was just, we had a guy who was fiercely, fiercely competitive, wanted to win, 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 but also wanted out of the organization. Mm -hmm. And that's not, however you spin it, going to be good to a positive clubhouse environment. And, you know, Nolan and Trevor, their teammates all loved them. We all loved them. But now that they have, you know, moved on to different ventures, Nolan with the Cardinals and, and Trevor with the Red Sox, is that we've had new people come in and sort of fostering a very different attitude in the clubhouse. And I think that's, that's something that, a lot of the players are touching on that, that Renee has been echoing that we've been echoing is that people want to be here. People are enjoying being here and people are committed. And that's, that's really, really something you want to see. And having, you know, Kyle Freeland, the hometown kid grew up a Rockies fan say that he is be like the face of that commitment of, of locking down this long-term deal with the Rockies, I think is big. Yeah. And I think something cool about Kyle Freeland, did you hear a lot about, Kyle Freeland is an intense competitor. He is he wears his emotions on his sleeve on the field. And we have so many gifts of him just being cheering, hyping up his team. And he, I see that difference where Kyle Freeland, he is an intense competitor. But it's for the betterment of the team. He's always there lifting up other guys, supporting others, celebrating their successes. You know, and he's not putting the pressure on others. All the pressure is on himself to win and compete. 
And I think that's a good indication of you know, a leader. He brings the emotion to the Rockies, that fierce outward competitiveness. Now that you mentioned, Evan, there's a different array of personalities with the Rockies. You know, Charlie Blackman, everybody on that club is a fierce competitor, but they just show it differently. You know, mm-hmm. Charlie Blackman, the most meticulous, hardworking individual that we know, uh, now sponsored by sports betting. Uh, but he, he's not like that intense competitor, like, we have to win or, no, we're doing everything wrong. But they're out there having fun as a group, and it's reflected in their play right now. And Kyle Freeland, in his most recent start, a lot better than his previous two, where he was solid and kept him in there against the Phillies to win that game. And so that different feel of you know, your pitchers are hyped up, they're working hard, they've got the good competitive mentality that's uplifting the team, and they're all pulling in the same direction, as Bill Schmidt likes to quote. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. And we see that with our rotation, our pitchers, position players. Everybody seems to be on the same page right now with the Rockies and where they are moving forward. And what's good about that, and you mentioned like the, the leadership, is that this kind of environment fosters people sort of elevating themselves into leadership positions rather than you know, it's sort of being thrusted upon them that they have to be the leader. Like, Chris Bryant wants to be a clubhouse leader. Kyle Freeland wants to be a clubhouse leader versus we've discussed it in the past that, you know, some of these other guys, you know, even even Charlie Blackman, who is a leader in the clubhouse, sort of last year with uh, how weird things were, sort of had to step up and be more of a public leader when no one else Mm -hmm. would. But he now this year with with how different that clubhouse feels, he can sort of go back to being his more, you know, enigmatic Charlie Blackman self while still being a leader in the clubhouse, not having to be like as big of the public facing guy. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really important as well. It's like, you can't force leadership onto a person. It's something that you sort of really need to step into. And this year we're seeing a lot more people sort of step into it. Absolutely. Mac, what have you got to add here? Not much, man. I think you guys are really breaking this down well. And one thing I just want to draw attention to is, this, is uh, sort of a piggyback what Evan just said, which is the idea that this sort of environment allows the leaders to self-promote themselves as opposed to being put in that position. Because just like you guys nailed it, like – We've had guys in the past that I think were just kind of thrust into those roles because they were pretty inarguably the top player or at least like, you know, generally considered to be the top player on the team. But not everyone wants to be that guy, man. Not everyone wants to be the person that has to take that leadership role, especially on a team that, without getting to the nitty-gritty of it, they might not have had that much fun playing on at the time. Or they might not have seen too much of a future with. And instead, just like you both said... We've got guys like Connor Joe, who is starting to really come into his own. And look at all the media appearances he started making recently, talking about his journey, talking about what's made him successful. Chris Bryan came in here and on day one. He said, I want to be a leader here. I want to lead this team to victory. I want to be a guy that's around for a long time, and I want to see this team get playoff success. Like, these are guys that are saying, yes, I want to be a part of that leadership core and help this relatively young team come into its own with this new identity. And I love that, man. I think the culture right now, without any of us having been in the locker room, of course, but just from the interviews, and I think I said this last week too, like the culture of the Rockies right now seems like it's super positive. And not for nothing, but uh, it looks like it's translating on the field in the 8-4 and four start as we record today. They look like they're having a lot of fun out there right now. Yeah, and I think one thing that this really bolsters is that rotation uh, because – that rotation's pretty locked in for the next couple of yes, years. It is. Uh, real quick, Antonio Senzatella signed that extension in the offseason. He's here through 2026 with an option for 2027. Herman Marquez, uh, he signed that five-year extension back in 2019. He's here through 2023 with an option for 2024. I can't imagine them not trying to do another extension with Herman uh, next year or something. But Austin Gomber, he's still in arbitration, so he's still – no relative cheap sticking around for a while. The only spot at the moment that I foresee is that fifth starter beyond 2022 is not locked in and known. Man, I want to get your guys' take on this real quick. What do you think this means for the rotation over the next five years? Uh, because uh, we talk about this team, there's a lot. They end up blocking themselves 
in a lot of spots a lot of the time. And with their nature of being hesitant to trade and all this other stuff, what do you see happening with the rotation over the next couple of years? I think it's important to keep that core together because they've all come up together and they've obviously found all kinds of success. We talk about the core four, right? We talk about Marquez, Senzatella, Freeland, and, you know, the guys that are backing them up. Um, Gomber's been great recently. Chad Cool, uh, you know, is part of that group. Obviously, when I say core four, I think a lot of us envision John Gray being part of that long term, but unfortunately it wasn't the case, you know, such is life. They've also got guys on the come up, right? You're, and how, by the way, as just a very quick aside, I know it's a very small sample size. How about Chad Cool? All of a sudden, this guy is throwing to a .87 earn run average after his first couple starts. Yes, it, like I said, it's a very, very small sample size, but wow, I mean, on a one-year deal, my man is looking good right now. But yeah, you've got your main sort of, um, you've got your main core people in there, and then you've got these sort of supplemental pieces, right? No hate, but like Chad Cool and, and Austin Gomber weren't really like part of that core group originally. Maybe they are now. And then you've got Ryan Rollison on the come up. Peter Lambert might, you know, kind of make a, an impact in their uh, plans. I think the state of the rotation looks really good for the Rockies. I would argue that no part of the Rockies roster right now is more solidly locked in and solidly optimistic for the future than that Rockies rotation they are going to be a pitching-centric team, as I think they should be at this point, at this stage in their organizational development, and it's looking very positive in the next three, four, shoot, five, six years even. Yeah, and and that that rotation, what we have or will be having shortly, that we've always really needed is depth. Mm. So we've got four guys locked in. The fifth guy, we have Chad Cool there for now. Ty Block could also be that person. And then we've got Peter Lambert, Ryan Rawlison, and uh, Ryan Feltner as the guys who are closest to big league ready or big league ready, which provides us depth for that fifth spot or adding a six rotation starter or just having depth in general. Because a lot of our other uh, starting pitching prospects are not that close to being big league ready, I'd say. A lot of our guys that are, are pushing are more bullpen guys. And, and we've seen them talk about maybe putting some of these guys in the bullpen. Um, who really knows what's going to happen with that? But at the end of the day, what we have is solid big league starting pitching depth, which is something we've really needed. And, it's yeah, it's really sad that we couldn't have, you know, John Gray here along with us to really cement down that entire rotation. But, you know, things happen. Mm -hmm. And I really like where our rotation is at right now. Yep. Yeah, and it's nice, like you said, depth. And maybe this opens up avenues where they start maybe moving guys around and, and start making trades with some guys like, we don't really have room for you here, but you can get us some of these good pieces and you'll get an opportunity somewhere else you know, mm -hmm. or, or something like that. Or just having that depth. Or I like that idea of you know, bump out a six-man rotation or a sixth starter who can go out there every once in a while and whatnot. Uh, we need Shohei Otani on our team so we can implement a six-man oh. rotation. How sick would that be? <laughs> Who wants to be a two-way player for the Rockies? Uh, but uh, I think we're all in agreement. Kyle Freeland sticking around is great. You know, it's good for the Rockies. It's good for Colorado. Um, and it's good for, for everybody in between. Real quick here, before we take a break, uh, what's your favorite Kyle Freeland memory so far? We'll start with Mac got to be the wild card game against the Cubs. I know it's too easy, but like what a moment in the history of the Rockies and their, and their playoff hopes. He was absolutely lights out. He gave them an opportunity to win in extra innings, of course, off that incredible moment with Tony Walters. That to me was just, again, like a younger guy thrust into this position to carry the team on his back. And he absolutely killed it. I was so, this might sound kind of whatever, but like, I was so proud to be a fan at that point. One of my proudest fan moments was just like this hometown kid that came up, as we said, dreamed of these moments. Who wouldn't want to pitch in a one-game playoff for your hometown team? And he was excellent. So that is my personal favorite. That's a really good one. How about you, Evan? I'm going to go with his uh, 2018 no-hitter bid mm. against the Chicago White Sox. Stupid Melky Cabrera. I was going to say, like, what, two outs away? Yeah, it's like nine and a, eight and a third innings. 
And then Melky Cabrera just ruined the whole darn yeah. thing. Yeah, my pops was at that game. It was a rough one. Uh, What's yours, Skyler? Uh, I got a bunch, but in the si- for the sake of diversity of our our discussion, I think just his major league debut. You know, he's mm-hmm. doing it in Colorado against the Dodgers. You know, his major league debut, the home opener at Coors Field, and you send the hometown kid from Thomas Jefferson High High School to go out and face the Dodgers. And he just shoves. Uh, I think it was what, like six and a third innings, a lot of like one run, four hits, something like that. Just a fabulous debut, and mm. that was an indication of this kid knows how to pitch, and he knows how to pitch at Coors Field, and he's going to be successful. And he's done. And then he has that fabulous 2018 season. Awesome. We are all Kyle Freeland guys. Yeah, we are. Um, so, congrats to him. We're happy to continue covering him for the next couple of years and hey hopefully he gets to enjoy some of that success that he envisions for the rockies but we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here and stick around we'll be talking daniel bard and roster shuffle cut down elimination super combos uh later (laughs) in the show i don't know what to call it but lots of that don't go anywhere we'll be right back here on affected by altitude i'm alex rodriguez And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. Uh, I'm Mike Goopstopper. Uh, <laughs> in re- recording, we were talking about base t- baseball names. Uh, maybe for another episode, we'll talk about that. But we got plenty to talk about still here with our good buddy. Turns out he is our de facto closer again here in 2022, Daniel Bard. And the reason we bring this up I think going into spring training, it was kind of the question of, like, who's going to be the closer? Because Daniel Bard struggled quite a bit near the later half of the 2021 season, so he lost the closer role to Carlos Estevez, who did fine. And But then it's with the signing of Alex Colomay, it was kind of up in the air. Which of those three guys is going to become the closer or get the most chances? Turns out Bud Black went with Daniel Bard. And so far in this first little bit of the season, Daniel Bard has been doing pretty good. Uh, off to a hot start as he was kind of last year and in 2020 of being the closer in the bullpen. It's been doing all right. And I just wanted to kind of talk about what are you guys seeing from Daniel Bard? Uh, what are you hopeful of or what are you, you know, worried about going forward if he can maintain his success? It's interesting because I was convinced that we were going to see Alex Colome in that closer role. He looked really solid through spring training. He looked like he was ready to, um, you know, cement that spot as the closer. But yeah, Buddy Black went with Daniel Bard, and it's been working out so far. Skyler is amazing and uh, hit us with some stats here that will probably be a little bit outdated by the time you guys all listen to this on Monday. But at the time of recording, Daniel Bard is looking really, really solid. He's got a three earned run average. He has five saves, which again, at the point of this recording is leading the league. He has only given up two earned runs, one by way of a home run in Texas. That really hurt. He's got seven strikeouts so far. I'm really happy with what I'm seeing at a bar right now, especially following last season where he really kind of struggled throughout the season. Uh, there were moments of brightness, but in general, a really pretty forgettable season for Bard, especially in the back end of that bullpen to see him come out of the gates here, seemingly rejuvenated and kind of with that fire and intensity that we wanted to get out of him, especially in that ninth inning role, really happy with the work we're seeing out of him so far in this admittedly small sample size. Yeah, and he was among the league leaders in blown saves last year. Yes, and he was. that one one home run came as part of a blown save against Texas. It tied up the game, though. That was what I've noticed so far is you know, things haven't spiraled out of control when he gives up a hit. He got the next out, got him into extra innings, uh, and the Rockies went on to win that one. But Evan, something I wanted to about here, last year he really struggled with, you know, those splits were very evident 
glaring splits between lefties and righties. So far here in the early goings of the season, he's looked pretty good on both sides of the plate. Uh, how important is that for, I guess, Bard and being the closer that you can get both sides out? The the biggest one, I think, is against left-handed batters. In 2021, he really struggled against lefties. Uh, gave up an opposing slash of 319, 407, 600, which is really pretty rough. And it was a big departure from what we saw in uh, 2020, where he was definitely worse against lefties. Um, but in 2020, he had a, a slash against a 265, 379, 408, which, you know, worse than he was against right-handed batters, but not to such a severe degree. And then going into this season so far, again, small sample size, like we both said, um, but against lefties, he's giving up a 214 batting average, which is exactly what we wanted to see is that, you know, every pitcher is going to have, you know, certain things that they struggle against, but you need that to not spiral out of control. And what we've seen with Daniel Bard so far is that, he's looking a lot more like his 2020 self than his 2021 self. And that's, that's really what the Rockies needed, especially for, for a guy they're, they're paying $5 million out of the bullpen. But Daniel Bard has been really solid so far. And you need to, you, know, you need to look at where some things might normalize, but so he's got that ERA of three. Uh, but when you look at his uh, FIP and XFIP, which gives you a suggestion of where he might normalize out to. It's really not too far off from where he's at. Granted, small sample size can can sort of play havoc with these with these two statistics, like they will for any statistic. But he's got a FIP right now of 3.39 and an XFIP of 2.97, which is just right in the ballpark of his current ERA, and that is really promising, especially when he's yeah he has that one blown save and. That's unfortunate, but in his other five attempts, he's got five saves, and he's he's hitting his spots a lot better. He is a, a big thing for me is that he's still got that really sharp velocity mm-hmm. on all of his uh, on his fastball. But the the big thing for him is that he's going to need to limit the long ball, which he's he's given up one, and he's going to need to limit walks, and uh, he hasn't walked anybody yet. Yeah, that's the the big thing that sticks out to me is, you know, he's guys on the left side of the plate, he struck out five of them, so that's really good. No walks, and that's something. Hopefully, he can maintain his limiting walks, and that goes for the entire bullpen, of don't give up walks because the Rockies have a habit of giving up walks, and it immediately bites them in the, uh, I guess in the backside. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it walks will kill you. And so Bard's done a good job. Pound the zone, you know, make his pitches. One thing that I have noticed while he's pitching, um, and I was sitting with my my brother who knows way more about pitching than I do, you know, him being a coach and having you know, pitched in, in college and all this stuff. But the thing that he knows with Daniel Bard's slider, he's got to work on that slider because he has a tendency to just kind of guide it right over the heart of the plate, and that's where he's getting hurt. Yeah, that's where you get punished. And so if he can just work on those cans, get a feel for that slider, and we've seen what that slider can do as a wipeout pitch. If he can just get control and locate better, like you were mentioning, Evan, I think Daniel Bard can put in another good season as the closer and get the majority of the saves. Because after him, there's kind of that mixture in that bullpen of guys, that three-man mix. But I think Bard, I'm confident in him. Fireballer coming in the ninth inning. Shut it down. I'm all for yeah, that's it. That's the that's the big thing is that he's he's giving us someone to be confident in right now. So we've got four other guys with saves tallied on the season, but Bard is sort of reestablishing himself as the closer after a really tough year last year. And I I have an interesting statistic for you, a little bit of trivia. So Daniel Bard in 2021 pitched 65 and two thirds innings. Antonio Sanzatella pitched 156 and two thirds innings. Who had more walks? I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I got nothing. Daniel Bard. Really? That's what I was thinking. In more wow. than in more than twice the innings. 
Antonio wow. Santatela had four less walks than Daniel Bard. That's crazy. I wonder who that says more about. I think it. I think it's a mix of both. So Sensi's whole thing is that he pitches to contact. He doesn't really work a lot right. out of the zone. But a lot of ground balls. But Bard's Bard really struggled with with walks last year and keeping his pitches in the zone. And I think that says a lot about both different pitchers. But it also says a lot that so far this year, out of every single pitcher who has pitched more than one inning, Daniel Bard is the only one who hasn't walked a batter. Mm. That's a really interesting stat. And he is in the in the top of the bullpen for strikeouts. Uh, our strikeout leader is going to be Tyler Kinley with eight, and then he's tied with Justin Lawrence for second place with seven. Yeah. Hmm. Turns out... The more you know, Yeah, huh? it turns out when you don't walk people, you're successful. And when you walk a lot of people, <laughs> you struggle. How about that? So, that's what... Ooh, that's we're breaking it. the game open today. Yeah. So, it, it's... But I... It's good to just see Bart. His whole story, you want to root for the guy, and Definitely. you want him to be successful, and he can be. He's shown that, and if he can maintain that, it will be great. But if he starts to struggle, but the Rockies are staying in contention, they're going to have to trade for a closer. They're going to have to go get something. If we're at that point in the season, and we're battling for like the second wild card spot or something. Uh, so, but but good on Bard. We're always happy to see him have success and locking it down at the end of a game. Let's hope it keeps keeps rolling. But, fellas, we got one last thing to talk about here. Come May 1st, or the beginning of May, the rosters will shrink back down to 26-man as due to the COVID or due to the lockout thing, uh, short and spring training, they expanded the roster to 28 for this first month. Uh, there were no limit on pitchers, but come May... Rosters go back 26. Your pitchers need to cut back down to 13. And so the Rockies are going to have to make some decisions here uh, in the coming weeks. And guys are more or less still competing as they were in spring training. So provide a list for us here, but guys can look over and who would be your picks of guesses of who gets moved off of the roster when the time comes in a couple weeks? This is so tough. It is really, it really tough. is. This is so tough. Cause, so, I mean, boy. Because we can assume that you know, our starting lineup, guys one through nine position players, and our starting rotation, all those are safe. Yeah, like so they're not going to option Connor Joe at this point. Yeah, or Chris right. Bryant's not getting sent back to Albuquerque. Yeah, so that would be totally. hilariously weird if he did. <laughs> but, <laughs> but So that leaves you know, our bench guys – and roughly 10 relief pitchers that could be on the chopping block. Um, and one potential everyday guy would be Brendan Rodgers, but I feel like he's a little bit less likely, but we can touch on that. But I do think it's worth talking about Rodgers, but if, if you go in the bullpen, I don't like this decision, but I think Ashton Goto might be one of the guys that gets sent down. Mm -hmm. And he has been lights out so far. I mean, a guy that, as we all know, has bounced around quite a bit, is getting an opportunity at the big league level now, and man, has he looked great. You know, so many great relief appearances so far in this, again, young season, but so far, Ashton Godot, I think, has really, really taken some great steps forward. I am so happy with him right now. He's, he's worked seven and two-thirds inning thus far in four games. He's got a five strikeouts a whip of 0.65 to the tune of an earned run average of a buck 17. I mean, like this guy looks locked in right now. He's only given up four hits. He's walked just one, just a lone run against him so far. You know, I mean, he's probably going to be the guy that gets sent down. Just all things being equal, but I would be bummed to see it. Cause I'm really happy with his development so far. Yeah. It's, it's really tough because Honestly, the weakest links of the bullpen right now have been the veteran guys who, you know, you don't really think are gonna gonna get sent down or DFA'd or anything like that. Where yeah. uh, Jolice Chassin and Carlos Estevez have both really struggled with uh, giving up a lot of hits. Uh, Chassin has the worst stat line, where he has an earned run average of eight point one zero now, uh, six earned runs, 
and six hits. Uh, Estevez has six hits, but only one earned run, but we have seen him, you know, really pitch the bullpen into trouble, and he's got, you know, three walks. And that's really tough, because you know that they're probably not going to get rid of either of those guys, because you'd have to DFA either of them, hope that they clear waivers, and then hope that they would agree to be outrighted down to Albuquerque, and I don't think that's going to happen for either of them. Uh, and none of the other guys, like, Lucas Gilbreth has one appearance so far. And after how good he was last year, do you really want to bet on that one appearance versus the rest of how he's done? And then it would be it would be so unfair for guys like Ty Block or Ashton Godot, who pitched their butts off in spring training and here earlier in the season and have been doing really well, to all of a sudden lose that spot. But you can really say that of anybody here in this bullpen where it's a really tough, tough decision. And it's the same for the bench where you look at all these guys, you can't get rid of Dom Nunez because you need a backup catcher. Alan Trejo sure. and Yonatan Daza have both been doing really, really well in what little game action they're seeing. Sam Hilliard has started a couple times and he's he's starting to pick it up, though he's not getting that power stroke that we're used to for him. But he's still good, like the, contributing in like a little base hit, so he's looked good too. Yeah, every everybody yeah. on our bench has been contributing, and it's really nice to have this. But at the same time, it makes it so difficult and so frustrating as we get down to this roster crunch. And you could argue that the weak link is Garrett Hampson, who hasn't really played that much and is now on the IL. But we know how much the Rockies value him as a super utility man to the point where, while he's been on IL, they've been teaching him first base. Mm-hmm. which would make him available as a player at literally any position but catcher and pitcher. Like the the, the Terry Shumpert standard of, this is, is your super, super utility guy. He can play anywhere. And that makes it difficult to, to gauge whether he would be sent down or anything like that. So, I don't know. We're just in a really, really weird spot right now. Yeah. Give me a name, Evan. Give me a name. Who goes? Give me a name. I know. These are the tough decisions. This is. My guess would be, as much as I hate it, that maybe Alan Trejo, because he has mm. more options and he's a lot younger. So if they went ahead and optioned him back to Albuquerque to get him consistent playing time and keep him ready to go. But I don't like that just because of how well he's been playing, both offensively and defensively in the amount of time he's gotten off the bench yeah and I think for me I feel like most of those bench options are pretty safe uh depending on whoever gets swapped out when Ham when Hampson comes back uh but I feel like on the pitching end of things that that's the tough one with how many relievers because everybody's been fairly good you know Daniel Bard Alex Colomay they're going to be safe um I think Robert Stevenson will be safe. Tyler Kinley is the workhorse. He's going to be safe. And so it kind of comes down to, as much as we're hitting how good he's been, Justin Lawrence and Carlos Estevez really seem to be like the ones battling it out, stick around. And I think as much as we hate it, Lawrence may find himself, no, we don't have room for you right now. We got to send you down to AAA. You'll be right up as soon as somebody gets injured or something. No, that's the (laughs) – it is so tough. But, unfortunately, I see, like, Justin Lawrence or, unfortunately, Ashton Goudeau kind of getting the boot when the rosters shrink back down. That's because the Rockies have that, I guess, loyalty to the other guys who probably have precedence on the depth chart. So, like, Lucas Gilbreth, Luis Chassin has the veteran status, Carlos Estevez. They'll get the second looks and more opportunities – even though Justin Lawrence has just been so good. As I would late. be so frustrated if Lawrence was the one to get sent down with how he started his season. I wrote a whole big article uh, that went up on Thursday about how Lawrence really does, at age 27 here, seem to have finally found his big league form, mm-hmm. where he really struggled in the big leagues last year and then took uh, made big adjustments uh, coming into this season. The, the main one that we've talked about before is that he really eased up off the gas in favor of more control, and he's throwing his slider a lot more often. Mm-hmm. And he's been really strong, 
out of the bullpen where they've used him pretty regularly. He's been pretty reliable for getting people out and he's not giving up as much contact as he has before. He's still walking a couple people, but already at way less eclipsed than he has before. His stuff looks good. He's locating well. And I think it would be, and I understand that baseball is a business and you need to make these tough decisions, but it would be so tremendously fair, unfair, just like it would have, would be for Ashton Godot or Ty Block for, for Justin Lawrence to be the one who gets sent down when he's been just so good. And I would, I would hate it. I would hate it so much. Yeah. Now, what if, say, somebody, they decide to go the route of, we're going to trade one of our excess guys, you know, because he really doesn't want to go down to AAA or something. So maybe you materialize a trade to send Carlos Estevez somewhere for a prospect, maybe some money or something. No, uh, one of those kind of trades, do you see anything like that potentially happening? Oof. It's a possibility, but it's, not it's difficult to... Yeah, it's, it's incredibly unlikely. It's highly unlikely. Now, knowing the Rockies and the world of baseball, I envision some quotations in the air, injuries are going to happen for a couple of guys to open up <laughs> to shrink down those, you know, shrink down that roster. Yeah, give them a little <laughs> bit more time to think and see more out of people. Yeah, and so like, oh, your arm hurts. Well, go on the injured list. So, mm. Something like that. Just oh to no, buy him Carlos Estevez has a blister. Guess he'll have to go to the injured list. Yeah, something like that. Oh, to give him some time to think, buy a little bit of time and whatnot. But it's... And I don't love using the injured list like that, but unfortunately is a it is a reality of how most big league ball clubs operate. Yeah. Right. So it business is business. Got to work the system. But That's right. yeah, so it, it's interesting. But from what it sounds like, it seems like pitching, something's got to happen with that bullpen and the excess of relievers. And then where does Garrett Hampson go? What happens with no one? Garrett Hampson's ready to come off the injured list. What happens there? Or he just turns into Chris Owings and he somehow has mallet finger for the rest of the year. So. <sighs> Who knows? But that was that was rough for Owings last year, and it, and it's it's really tough. the The one guy who we have him on our list, but I really do think he's safe, is Brendan Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'd be remiss to not mention that he is having an absolutely atrocious start to his season at the plate. But he's traditionally somewhat of a slow starter, and Bud Black uh, appears pretty dedicated to letting him work things out on the field. Which, you know, as frustrating as it can be, because he offensively right now is is just a a total black hole. He is contributing nothing to the offense right now. But this is as good a time as any pre-roster crunch to let him work that out and see where he's going to be at. And hopefully he can work out of it, because last year he was fabulous. But this year he's just really, really struggling to start. He keeps getting moved further and further down in the lineup. And all we can really do is sort of hope he's going to turn it around or that's going to be another thing that we're going to have to figure out. I do think it's something that they have to consider because, you know, I love Brennan Rogers and I think he's a marvelous second baseman on the field. Um, but we said this last week, I think Evan might've been the one that mentioned it. Like he's a free out right now, man. Like, and I, and all love like, like truly, like I'm not trying to be that guy, but like he is a free out at this point. He's striking out an alarming rate. I'm not saying that necessarily a, a move to AAA is the, is the move at this juncture, but I can't say it's too far off just to get your head straight, right? Just take a quick little vacay, head on down to Albuquerque. Let's get some base hits and maybe some doubles off of some AAA pitchers and get things back to where they were last season to where he was arguably the best, you know, everyday position player down the stretch at certain points, of the Rockies. It's just not there right now. Yeah, I think he's definitely got until mm-hmm. the end of the month sure, to try and figure things out. But then after that, you know, Buddy's going to have to sit down and make some tough decisions. And unfortunately, we can't only prioritize defense when we've got other guys who can play that position hitting well off the bench. Like, you could put Alan Trejo, Trejo. at second base right now. But it's just an example of guys on the bench are hitting well. Mm-hmm. And Brendan Rodgers is not. 
And and there is precedent. No, look what with Kyle Freeland when he got sent down because things were just so rough for him. They sent him down so he could work on stuff. No, it happened with John Gray, and so maybe it could happen because if you think with Brendan Rodgers, this is really his second, you know, regular season where he's the everyday starter and he's first one where he's not injured to st- from the get-go. And so, yeah. He wasn't exactly a rookie last year, but this definitely. is his sophomore slump. Yeah. Like he, this happened to Trevor Story back in 2017, mm-hmm. where after his really great 2016 rookie season, Story was rough, especially in the first part of, of 2017. And so there's also precedent that we let him work it out and we keep him mm-hmm. going. So it really just is, you know, whichever way you stack it, decisions are going to have to be made. I don't know what they are. Yeah. I do not envy our good pal Bill Schmidt or Bud Black with these decisions. But, uh, no, th- yeah. if that's something, the Rockies, if they want to win, they got to compete. They have to make those hard decisions. They can't, you know, make all the decisions with their heart. No, you got to make them, <laughs> make them with your brain, you know, and do what's best for the club and for the mm-hmm. players. Um, just because you love something, they, just because they love a player, doesn't mean they need to let him, you know, keep going out there if things get really bad, and he's still struggling just mightily. Absolutely. And, yeah, and it's tough because no one else in the in the lineup is really struggling like this. All of our slow starters for last year who had. Somewhat difficult early stretches, uh, CJ Crone, or the really tough early stretch like Elias Diaz, they're both having fabulous starts to the season. And then a lot of the other guys, mm-hmm. Charlie Blackman, we're finally starting to see him warm up. He hit his first home run of the season. Randall Gritchick's doing just fine. Everybody else is really doing pretty solid. And it it's tough because you hate to single out Brendan Rodgers, but he really is unfortunately the weak link of that starting nine right now. Yeah, and he just needs to cut down on strikeouts. His plate discipline's just awful right now, and I think that's yeah. It that's seems like he gets up to the plate and he's already down 0-2. Yeah, I think I wrote an article about this last Sunday. Uh, so, whenever, however much time that is from this episode, but that he's seen roughly about four pitches in at bat, and he's always just immediately in 0-2. He's swinging outside of the zone, chasing pitches. He just looks lost at the plate, and it's rough. Um, so hopefully he can figure it out because we saw what he can do. We need that bat in the lineup. Um, he has the power potential. He just needs to focus back down of good plate approach, make contact, drive singles. The power will come later. Kind of like what we're seeing from Sam Hilliard right now. He's just focusing, yeah. make contact, Absolutely. get on base. The power will come because – and who knows, maybe this road trip will be helpful for him since he was one of the best Rockies on the road mm-hmm. last year. Because power is useless if you can't hit the ball. And yeah. he's not drawing walks. Strikeouts will kill you. And so he's got a lot to work on, but hopefully he can figure it out. Uh, bec- because Fingers right crossed, now the Rockies man. roster, all 28 guys, pretty much all of them, at least 26 or 27 of these guys, everybody's contributing in one way or another. No one's, like, standing out of, oh, yeah, they're the obvious choice to get out of here. It's tough. It's mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's not a bad problem to like, have, being, but it is a tough Being one. spoiled for choice, it being a tough decision of who you need to ditch when the roster crunch comes is a good thing, but it is also just an extremely difficult thing. Indeed it is. But... Luckily, we don't have to be the ones to make those decisions. <laughs> we just get to yeah. hop on these podcasts. Like you said, no <laughs> envy and Bud Black there. No, rough go of it for them. But they're smart pe- baseball people, I hope. Uh, and we'll figure it out <laughs> and do everything they can. I assume they're smart baseball people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there in one way or another. But that's going to do it here <laughs> for this episode of Affected by Altitude. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Mac, where can the friendly neighborhood listeners find you <laughs> yeah man you can hit me up at at cormac battle pro which is at c-o-r-m-a-c battle pro talk to me about this forbidden door wrestling show coming up let's talk about you know anything related to rockies baseball and kingdom hearts and all that fun stuff nice and you can always check out his game <laughs> threads and mac <laughs> is one that he's been doing a lot of like our know our know your foe stuff lately 
Uh, always good. Yeah, it's been fun getting to collaborate with the other teams' uh, sites. Um, that's been a super fun project, so we'll see some more of those as the season goes on, too. Good stuff. Yeah, you've been doing great work, Mac. Thanks, buddies. Appreciate that. How about you, Evan? Where can the folks find you? Uh, so you can find me at Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang27. Talk to me about baseball or how to beat bosses in Elden Ring, because that game oh, is he needs it. really hard. He needs the help. Uh, granted, it doesn't help that as soon as I got to like the first story thing, I immediately beelined it in the op- opposite direction to go explore. But oh. hey, uh, <laughs> hey man, but uh, game, game threads it. from me on Sunday and my Thursday rock piles. You can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter, which is at Altitude Effect. We would love to hear from you there. Yes, and we then would. Skyler, how about you? Where can we find you at? Uh, nowhere. No, <laughs> he doesn't oh, no. exist. No longer. No, you can find me on Twitter at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, just talking all kinds of stuff. Usually baseball, making jokes, talking to people, doing whatever. Good stuff. Having incredible meme games. Yes. No, sometimes. I was worried you were about to pull a Mr. Stark. I don't feel so and then, good. Uh, Can only we see Skyler? <laughs> <laughs> Skyler's our imaginary friend. You've just been talking imaginary to co-host. for two hours. <laughs> Man, the podcast is great, but I don't know what's with these big segments of dead air. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> what's that about? Just quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, and you can find me on my Sunday rock piles every week. Uh, but yeah, you can always always work trying to figure out some other project to make it big on Twitter. So there stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it here for this edition. We'll see you next time. Go Rockies. Lots of exciting stuff. Uh, Mac and Evan, yes, both of you hit it. Okay, ready, Evan? Count us down. Three, two, one. Farewell. Barbershot trio. Beautiful.